1: Rev up your automotive care with Amazon. For DIY projects and regular vehicle maintenance, Amazon Automotive makes finding the right parts for your car easy. You can use your garage to easily view, manage, and use the Automotive Parts Finder to find parts for your saved vehicles. Just add your vehicle's details to your Amazon garage. Then, shop with confidence using Amazon's Part Finder to explore compatible parts and accessories and receive customized recommendations. Get started today at Amazon.com. Calm.
4: Ron and Anian telling me that we're not going to have internal combustion engines by 2035. How will we get there? The how comes into mind. But I need
5: a nuclear reaction to, to generate the 1.21 gigawatts of
6: electricity. 1.21 gigawatts! 1.21 gigawatts! How am I going to generate that kind of power? It can't be done. The Car Doctor. Ron, what a terrific show. You
7: helped me out a number of weeks back when we were working on doing a radiator replacement on this 2000 Chevrolet Suburban with about 275,000 miles on it. Welcome
3: to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone
4: and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. You know, just when you thought it couldn't get any weirder, right? Here comes October, a month where we're going to have two full moons. And I could tell it was going to be a two full moon moon month, or maybe a two full month two full moon month week at the shop and, and here's the reason why October got a new in, mouth. yeah, new mouth I have the, a new mouth that'll help me do things on radio where sound is very important. Um, you know you can always tell how the beginning of the how the month's gonna go based on how the first one or two days goes and, and the first day of October the month with two full moons, it, well, here's what happened. We had three vehicles, all with more than one problem. And I just want to talk about it because, you know, everybody says, well, is that all that's wrong with it? Or is it only one thing? Or how often could it be that it could have more than one particular problem? First car up is an 03 Cadillac, 03 Cadillac Seville, with a lean fault code. It had a bunch of codes, a misfire, lean fault condition. It really didn't run well. It came to us from another shop. A long time ago, Customer showed up on our doorstep, and he said, you know, I, it's just hard for me to get here, and I understand that. He said, but um, he said, you know, he says, it's been about 15 years since you've seen me. Would you take the car and look at it? And I said, sure, Aaron. I'm, You know, I'm not fussy. I don't care. A job's a job. And um, we looked at his 03 Cadillac, and it had a lean fault code and misfires. And, um, you know, the, the most obvious thing, it was funny, I lifted the hood, started getting into it, scanned codes, did my preliminary diagnosis, and there was a, a, a rushing sound a <sighs> under the hood that you said, gee, where's the vacuum leak? And I went over to the passenger side. I followed the noise. I took my little bottle of propane and started sniffing around. And I didn't even need the propane. The PCV tube at the bottom of the intake manifold on the passenger side had rotted away. It just It's where they collected over time in this, this you know, 2003, so what is it, 18 years old? Um, you know, it just, it just rotted the bottom of the PCV tube. I said, Aaron, let's start here. We'll, we'll, we'll get a PCV tube assembly on it. I don't know that that's the only thing wrong with it. I never count my chickens before they're hatched. We'll start there. And fortunately, or unfortunately for Aaron, I was right. There was more than one problem. That got rid of the massive vacuum leak, but it still didn't run smooth, and fuel trims were all over the place, and it would fall apart under load if you put your foot in it, and it just it became an issue. Went back, looked at it again. Gee, fuel trim, let's go at it with more propane. Put some propane under the intake manifold. I watched fuel trim come down, and watched the idle smooth out. Went around the air intake boot, which is on the other side of the intake manifold, and I watch the idle speed come down and the fuel trims come down. Gee, I've got two more problems. Took the intake manifold off, big chunk of plastic, GM decided they must have had a ban on plastic, so they were trying to get rid of it back in 2003, because they put most of it under these intake manifolds. And sure enough, there was an animal nest under the intake, and it had a nice little house there with acorns, uh, nesting material, um, a a couple of copies of magazines to sit and read, and and, um, it had chewed its way through the bottom of the intake, It it had scratched a uh, a point through the bottom of the intake that it was actually leaking there, and also the air intake, the rubber boot on the far side, had dry rotted and fallen apart, which is what they do. Now, the problem became, where do you get parts from? And that was that's a whole other conversation. Fortunately, Dorman Products had it. They had an air intake boot. I was able to get an original manifold out of GM. Dorman didn't make that, and they've made, they make them for others, though. And uh, we were able to get that car down the road and straightened out. Three problems, one car. The next one up. It was just quite the day. 2008 Volvo uh, V70 came in with a vibration issue. I always think of the Beach Boys, right? Good vibrations, bad vibrations. This was definitely bad vibrations. And you could see the one bottom motor mount on the right side completely cracked and broken. The top dog bone mount completely cracked and broken. Changed the two obvious mounts. Made no difference whatsoever. Couldn't find anything else wrong. I said, it's got to be the third mount down under that you can't see on the right side. Took it apart the rest of the way and found that the mount, without any load on it, if you put it in a vise and pried on it, you could actually get the mount to move, change the mount, solve the problem. Three mounts, one car, one problem. The last one really had me scratching my head. I said, gee, what is that noise? A 2005 Mustang GT with a V8. And the customer had gone away on a vacation, came back two weeks later, and it had this high-pitched screeching noise that just, it just sounded horrible. And the whole front of the car shook and vibrated and, uh, gee, what happened here? And I went through it and I couldn't duplicate the condition. I thought maybe the harmonic balancer was starting to split. I chalked it. I, I let the problem happen. It didn't move. The chalk marks were still lined up. And then I realized I was looking in the wrong direction. I was looking towards the front of the engine. I happened to catch out of the corner of my eye that the AC compressor would come on, and then it would try to turn on the fan, and the fan would just tweak, and then all of a sudden it would start to racket. Shut the car off, got out a scan tool. This is a whole nother story, right? You talk about weird things. Um, started out with a snap-on uh, modus and went in under special functions and tried to make it you know, actuate. I want to actuate the cooling fan i tell you, this is, we're back to this again. This is why you need more than one scan tool in a repair shop, right? Snap-on wouldn't do it. I don't know why. I couldn't figure that out at all. It was just a fan control function, but it didn't have it. Latest, latest software update tool. Got out the launch and the X431, and it, it had it in there. I was able to run low and high-speed cooling fan. As a matter of fact, I was able to prove that the low-speed fan didn't work at all and that the high-speed fan was the one making the noise. So this problem had to be there for a while, and the customer wasn't even aware of it. They just, they just, the car ran a little hotter this summer, and they never paid any attention to it, I guess, because they never went anywhere with the pandemic. Everybody was staying home. And put a two-speed cooling fan back in it, so now it had two speeds, quiet, smooth, worked. Third car, two particular problems. And the point is, you know, it's not over till it's over. You don't know until the car is fixed, if that's all it is. There's no rule that says that only one thing can go wrong. There's no rule that says, you know, we can only have one particular problem creating the problem. I had an email this week from Brian, and we're not going to put Brian on air today because the problem ended up fixing itself. I wanted to talk to him about it here. I reached out, but he wasn't around. Then he sent me an email this morning. On his late model GMC truck, the headlights were out. And, you know, he's talking about wiring and looking at this, looking at that. And he emailed me this morning. He said, Ron, you're not going to believe it. Both headlight bulbs burned out. And, yeah, I believe it because there's no rule that says. And I've seen it where maybe the low beam goes out on one side. You don't realize it. And then a short time later, the low beam goes out on the other side. Or I've seen it where it takes out both at the same time. So all kinds of crazy things can happen. And the bottom line becomes when you're dealing with an automobile, It's a mechanical electro device or an electromechanical device, whichever way you want to look at it. You don't know it's over till it's over, and you don't know it's done until it's fixed. And you've just got to take it one step at a time. Hello and welcome. My name's Ron and a.k.a. The Car Doctor. I'm here at 855-560-9900. If you're new to the Car Doctor family, we want to thank you for stopping by. We know you've got a lot of choices for radio and podcast and whatever which way you spend your free time these days, and we're we're grateful to have you here and glad to catch you among the Car Doctor family and the Car Doctor listeners. We've got a full two hours for you. We're going to start with the first one now, but uh, let's pull over and take a pause. When we come back, we're going to go talk to Dennis from Maine about his 2012 Toyota Tundra. Don't go away. I'll be back right after this.
1: Rev up your automotive care with Amazon. For DIY projects and regular vehicle maintenance, Amazon Automotive makes finding the right parts for your car easy. You can use your garage to easily view, manage, and use the Automotive Parts Finder to find parts for your saved vehicles. Just add your vehicle's details to your Amazon garage. Then shop with confidence using Amazon's Part Finder to explore compatible parts and accessories and receive customized recommendations. Get started today at Amazon.com we
7: Places.
1: What's more fun than listening to Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor and getting that car fixed right? 855 560 9900. Give Ron a call. Now, back to Ron.
4: Boy, we almost didn't have a show there, Tom. I was trying to get Lucy in the studio. She's out wandering around, but uh, she's in here now. So uh, we
1: can kind of so, move forward. So, what you're saying is, I could have done the show and it would have been a lot better
4: well right because everybody would have fallen asleep america's hey. kind of short on sleep now you know um <laughs> so there's uh, just too much there's too much preoccupying all of us let's get over to dennis in maine 12 toyota tundra dennis welcome to the car doctor sir how can i help
6: thank you much Take my call. My
7: son's got that 212 toyota tundra 4.6 v8 it takes zero twenty 20 synthetic Got one hundred and fifty-seven thousand miles, and it's starting to use a little oil. Should he switch to
4: five thirty? No, because oh. he's just gonna—he's just gonna mask the problem. How often has he been doing oil changes? Real numbers. Has he really been doing well, it every five thousand, or is it, it? Has he owned well, it since? new? No? no, he just bought the
7: truck about four months ago. Changed the oil once. I came down for a visit and. It was two quarts low. So I, I don't know if the truck is using it or the place where he had it changed only put four quarts in. But right. It was two quarts
4: low. You know, that, and I mean, listen, if switching to 530 solved the problem on the 8-year-old on the 160,000-mile truck, you could sit there and say, well, what's wrong with that? The concern I have is, are you going to create other issues? I don't want to just randomly change viscosity, especially going into winter where the weather is colder and the oil is thicker. You know, I don't want to start sounding like I'm promoting, yeah, just, just change viscosity. What I would do is, yeah, do you have a problem, right, because and, and, that's an excellent point, did the other place not fill the oil level correctly? Did they underfill it, and that's not uncommon. That happens, you know. Or does he have an oil consumption, or is he leaking it? The leak is easy. Put it up in the air, look around. If you don't see any real heavy leaks in two quarts over a, over what sounds like a minimum time period, the entire floor pan of the truck should be coated with oil, so it'd be rust proofed at this point. And then, if there's no leaks, and you know, we've got to say, yeah, it's using it if you and it wasn't underfilled if you want to try one oil change of 530 and see if that changes anything but what more likely is the culprit here is and i see this on Toyotas particularly when people run them to the manufacturer time interval limit you know they'll do oil changes at the 8 9 or 10,000 mile mark when the vehicles get older the rings tend to get sticky in the piston grooves they get gummed up the oil control ring is stuck and it, it just can and it and the problem just multiplies and manifests itself. You can try different top end cleaners. Uh, you know, I've heard some people having success doing that with uh, specific top end cleaners to try and free up rings. But usually by now they're so cooked in there. You know, it's it's usually of no hope. The only correct way to solve it is to really go ahead and do it. You know, tear the engine apart and um, you know do rings, do a rebuild, and. Uh, you know it's 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 not a good alternative now you know why the person sold it to be honest you know in all likelihood right. you know provided that it wasn't you know low level and 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 so forth so best answer i've got not an uncommon thing toyota's tend to do that toyota's a great vehicle but if you're not really good about oil changes uh, in my experience synthetic oil every 5 6000 miles if you're the person that's running at 8 to 10 uh, you know as that truck as that vehicle gets older you're going to see ring issues. You're going to see oil control issues, and it's most likely based on uh, piston ring problems. All right, sir. Hey, thank you, Mark. You're very welcome. Good luck to you. Let's get on over and let's go talk to uh, Nancy in Vermont, 18 Subaru, and some questions on undercoating. Hi, Nancy. Ron and Anian at Hi, your how service. You, how can I help? Good. What's going on?
8: Well, I have a 2018 Forester living in Vermont. I'm interested in uh, getting your Expertise on the proper undercoating and rust proofing for the car.
4: Okay, um, what sort of rust proofing undercoating uh, manufacturers do they have up there? What do they offer you?
8: Well, we have the um, a ceramic one, okay, uh, which is like a wax one, right. and then we also have the fluid one, which is an oil based.
4: Well, so is this now we're talking on the paint or on the undercarriage?
8: Oh, the undercarriage. Under the undercarriage. The, the undercarriage. Coating,
4: yeah. You know, I think mm-hmm. the oil-based one is the one that's been around forever and ever, and the ceramic one is uh, ceramic one is something new. Uh You know, I have not had exposure to that. I would be curious to see what the reviews are. Obviously, you're not the first person to use it. And, you know, how does it hold up? Is it a one-time application, or are you applying it on a continuous basis, do they say?
8: Uh, I think you are supposed to do it more often, you know, not just a one-time thing. Right. Uh, but what I'm th- hearing more is the fluid is the better way to go, uh, because it, it seems to get into all of the nooks and crannies and so forth, and it does a better job. And um, to do it like every year, pretty much every right. two years, especially where I live.
4: So they're probably what the ceramic is is probably a spray-on liquid, something along the lines of another product called Fluid Film. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Now, that's a direct spray on. Fluid film is something that they use. We use in, in the shop, as a matter of fact, on the plow truck, on vehicles that are going to be out in the bad weather, the high salt content, high corrosive. It does wash off over time, and you do do it once a year. Um, the okay. adv- The advantage is, unlike undercoating, you're not you're not binding up brake lines and and nuts and bolts. And if you have to take something apart at some future service point on the vehicle's life, you can. So, Mm -hmm. you know, to me, there's an advantage of fluid film that I'm not spraying tar under the undercarriage of the car. And if I ever have to work on it, it makes it easier. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, the downside is you've got to do it every year. Now, you know, that being said, the other argument is, and you know, I don't undercoat anything. I just, I never have. All right. And I, you know, maybe I'm in New Jersey. It's not as bad as Vermont, but it's still considered a rust belt state. Sure. And I will make sure after every, you know, snowstorm, every, you know, out venturing out that I, I make sure the undercarriage gets washed. And I think that's a simple solution, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of like the, you know, I, I, I would sort of probably go thinking about it. If, if the ceramic is more like fluid film, I would. I would probably stay with that just because it's going to be less obtrusive if you ever have to do any work on the vehicle later on. Okay. And, you know, the worst part is you're going to be doing it every season. But if you're aware of it, you're you're staying ahead of it and you're staying on top of it, if you know what I'm saying. Well,
8: that's what I'm hoping to do. As I said, it's a 2018, and uh, I want to, you know, try to maintain the car as much as I can. And, you know, we do have – it's hard to uh, – I should say, you know, get the car washed in winter time a lot. So right, right. you know, especially underneath, so the, the right. salt on the road and stuff like that. So I thought I'd try to get ahead of the game and get it done this fall. You know, so,
4: there's 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 a lot to be said. You know, after a snowstorm, and I realize you're in Vermont, and it, you know, it might sn- it might snow for you know every other day up there for the month of February. But to you know, when, maybe when you put it away and it's going to be away for a couple of days, to, if there's if the, if you have the ability to take a hose and wash out the inside of the wheel wells and just go around the vehicle, you'll be amazed the amount of crud that comes off and, right. and you know drips on the ground. Then you mm-hmm. know that's a good start, uh, mm-hmm. you know because it may not. It's obviously it's not going to the corrosive isn't mm-hmm. going to rot the plastic wheel well that cars have today, but it will get if you get up and around the corner of the outer fenders you'll start to see the crud fall out of that and that's where it's going to blister through over time so you know just i don't think and i guess what i'm really saying too nancy is there's no substitute for due diligence in bad weather you know you're 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 just you've just got to get out there and 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 keep the car clean and that's part of what taking it to Mm -hmm. the car washer doing it with a hose does um you know but uh, like as i said i like fluid film Uh, you know, very rare will I use undercoat. Years ago, there was that argument about using undercoating and does it hold moisture against the undercarriage of the car. And I've seen that too, if it's not applied properly, if the undercoat isn't a complete uh, seal, some moisture will get behind it, get trapped, and then it holds it there. And that rots the floor pan too. I vote for the liquid stuff. Let me know what you decide. Let me know how it works out for you. And uh, stay warm up there, Vermont way. I'm Ron and The Car Doctor. We're back right after this.
0: Rev
1: up your automotive care with Amazon. For DIY projects and regular vehicle maintenance, Amazon Automotive makes finding the right parts for your car easy. You can use your garage to easily view, manage, and use the Automotive Parts Finder to find parts for your saved vehicles. Just add your vehicle's details to your Amazon garage. Then, shop with confidence using Amazon's Part Finder to explore compatible parts and accessories and receive customized recommendations. Get started today at Amazon.com.
5: Let's go places.
4: Welcome back. We're the name of The Car Doctor. Hey, just a quick reminder. We're getting to fall and fall driving, and you know, after fall comes ooh, winter and uh, the cold that it brings. We want to make sure the car is road-ready. So get yourself out to OReillyAuto.com. They've got all sorts of information out there as far as how to flush and fill cooling systems. They've got a bunch of rebates, Sylvania light bulbs, and uh, some dollar savings on things, uh, different antifreezes and coolants. But the point is O'Reilly Auto is out there, O'ReillyAuto.com. They want to uh, get you ready for fall driving season, and so do I. So stay safe and uh, be prepared. Be a good scout. Let's get on over and go talk to, is that Darris? Do I have that right in Michigan? And uh, some comments here? Yes. Yes, yes. hey, Darris, How are you? Welcome to the car, doctor.
7: I'm great. A uh, longtime caller. I uh, really enjoy your program. And I've Thank uh, all, all the auto people or car people I run across, I always tell them about your program. Thank
4: you, sir. I appreciate it. What can I do for um, you? There's yes. Yes. What can I do for you? There's I
7: got you. Yeah. Um, I, I've heard, uh, you talk about in the past, the kind of uh, increasing complexity of computers and automobiles and the, the challenges that, uh, uh, that is for repairing automobiles. Okay. And then, um, uh, which I, you know, uh, I'm not a mechanic, but I, I tend to agree. And, and I was listening to the presidential debate. Okay. Yes, I do. Yeah. Um, uh, and I was listening to the, the presidential debate, and the president said something that uh, kind of um, resonated with me. And I said, "I, I got to call the Ron show." And he was asked he was asked about um, the ca- suggesting lowering the cafe standards, and he was saying, "Well, essentially, the computers in the uh, cars raise the cost of the car for a uh, marginal increase in fuel economy, and I think that's sound because there's such a thing as diminishing returns i mean uh, initially you know electronics and other devices improved those things reduced emissions increased the uh, fuel economy um, but I remember at the t- but at at some point the you know the returns diminished and I remember when this the big three uh response to that uh is that they were opposed to it. And I think it's because, it.
4: Be- because why, Darris? You there? All right, all right. Darris, yeah, can you hear me? You're you're just about to make the point that I was waiting to respond to, brother. What was it, uh,
7: Okay, I'm kind of like hearing both of you who talk at the same time, so it's kind of confusing.
4: Yeah, there's only one of us talking. It's just me. <laughs> Um, Do you have a – yeah,
7: go ahead. So what what, what was your point? I I think this just is – it's to the advantage of the automobile manufacturers to make the cars as expensive as they can. I mean, I don't care how much they are. And it it just seems to me it adds to the problem of electronics. I think you said uh, a few weeks ago you wondered if 30 years from now when we're trying to restore the the popular cars today, if we're going to be able to because the availability – electronics so. Well, we
4: probably yeah. won't because you know. Well, there's, you've got a couple of questions buried in there, Dara. So here, let me respond. Yeah, you know, I think the the 2020 Corvette or the 2020 Hellcat Dodge of today, mm-hmm. you know, 30 years from now. You got to remember Chrysler and GM and Ford with their Mustangs. They don't. They don't make parts anymore. They sub them out to vendors. So all the electronics, yep. all the circuit boards are manufactured by different vendors in different part, places in the world, not just the U.S. So will those mm-hmm. pieces be around in thirty years? I don't know. Uh, You know, I don't think so. I don't think you're going to see it. It's not like, you know, you can go restore a a 57 Chevy or a 32 Ford and stick a different Mm drivetrain in it and make all your modifications. What will the hot rod of the future look like? I don't even know if that's going to be an issue. The way the country's headed, and, uh, you know, I base this on if California goes all electric and 35 the way they're talking and the rest of the country follows suit. I don't think we're going to have gasoline to run hot rods. Uh, You know, we'll probably have gasoline for the next 50 years, and then they won't need it because everything will have to have gone electric, you know. Sooner or later, the horse didn't become the popular way of getting around. I think there is a diminishing point of return. Uh, You know, I'm no mathematician and I'm no accountant, but I can tell you from a mechanic's perspective that they've made the car so complicated now, there are moments where Mm -hmm. it doesn't pay to fix. I'll tell you a quick story. I'll tell you a quick story. We had a 2014 Ford Explorer in the shop this week, and I like the Explorer. I think the Explorer is a real solid vehicle. A twin-turbo V6, not exactly my favorite drivetrain for this exact problem. 110,000 miles on it. The oil feed line going to the rear turbo had started to seep Uh oil. The line was going bad. It was rusty on the outside, and you could just see after we put some dye in it where it was starting to seep. Uh To get to the bolt, the feed line on the turbo was a T40 Torx. The exhaust manifold lay about 15% on, the, on top of the bolt. It was covered. So you really couldn't get a straight shot at it with your driver bit. And then even if you had gotten the bolt loose, I question, would it have been able to come up far enough without hitting the manifold that you could get the line off? So now you've oh. got to take the turbo out. Now you've got to take the turbo out of a seven- or eight-year-old vehicle, depending upon when it was put into service, with 110,000 miles on it, that has cooked mm. the exhaust manifold so from the heat that yeah. they range in color from that purple to that orange, bright orange rust where you know it got super hot. The point mm. is, all of this in the interest of better fuel economy and emissions to make more power out of something smaller to get gas mileage. All right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, does yep, it pay? Exactly. We looked at the rest of the oil feed lines. The two lines going to the front turbo were badly rusted because they fed right behind the radiator, and that's where all the road mm. all the road air or the, the you know the, the the debris as it mm-hmm. passes through collects and rotted the lines. Environment is death to these cars. So now you've got a car that conservatively, it's a couple of thousand dollars to fix the turbo problem on a good day, mm-hmm. right? It needed four mm-hmm. tires and four-wheel brakes it needed driveline fluids we wrote an estimate somewhere in the neighborhood of about sixty eight hundred dollars taking oh, taking what? taking some liberties saying well this might happen this is probably going to be a problem too and you know just and 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 sixty eight hundred dollars was a little bit on the conservative side with whatever liberties mm-hmm. we took and I said to the customer you're between six and ten grand to bring this truck into some kind of shape yeah oh, so it led us to the next conversation, which you know what that was. Yeah. What well, color buy it? What what buy color? I it, yeah. what, what what color is the next truck going to be? And that's that's <laughs> what it was, right? That was you know what color mm-hmm. are you going to go buy? And you know yep, the, exactly. the, the the technology took that to the point of no return. So mm-hmm. yes, I think there is a diminishing point. I think I think we have you know probably surpassed that. I'm not really sure. Why emissions are set and structured the way they are. And, and, and that being said, I really think Los Angeles has a problem. I really think New York City has a problem. I really think, you know, Chicago, mm-hmm. metropolitan areas have a problem with emissions. I question, do they mm-hmm. need to be all electric or does a certain percentage of them need to be electric? Do we need to convert Mm -hmm. vehicles that are out on delivery, postal service, U-Haul trucks, fleet fleet services with predictable mileage that we know they're going to go 32 miles this way, 22 miles that way, and so on, that we can make those Mm -hmm. electric vehicles? Do we need to be able to do, you know, where we have more people working from home? If the pandemic has a good side, it's that it's taught us not everybody needs to be in the office. We don't need to commute like we once Mm -hmm. did. But then the next problem is going to be like we're seeing in New Jersey. New Jersey gas tax went up 10 cents a gallon October 1. Why? Cuz nobody was driving. There wasn't enough driving going on, they told us. And so therefore mm. they needed to increase the revenue. They're talking about increasing the tolls in New Jersey, and I'm sure the rest of the country will follow suit on their toll roads. Why? Not enough people are driving. Now, I see, yeah. You know, it becomes it becomes a vicious cycle. So, what's going to happen in California in 2035? When we get rid of all new gasoline vehicles, what will the price of gasoline go to for the people that have internal combustion engines because of the gas tax? And gas right. tax as I understand it is one of the main co- contributors in the country for different states to do the upkeep and uh, you know maintenance on the roads so yeah they just increased it here in michigan for that right yeah. so you know what's what's going to happen the question is nobody has the answer the bigger problem is we can't see down the road so interesting points daris it it really is true where will it lead us i don't know it's you know it's kind of like they said in little rascals i don't know where we're going but we're on our way you take good care brother and thanks for being part of the car doctor family i'm ron and Annie, and we'll be back right after this
3: witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury
0: Rev up your
1: automotive care with Amazon. For DIY projects and regular vehicle maintenance, Amazon Automotive makes finding the right parts for your car easy. You can use your garage to easily view, manage, and use the Automotive Parts Finder to find parts for your saved vehicles. Just add your vehicle's details to your Amazon garage. Then shop with confidence using Amazon's Part Finder to explore compatible parts and accessories and receive customized recommendations. Get started today at Amazon.com.
4: welcome back ron and evening the car doctor here at 855-560-9900 let's get over and talk to angel in illinois uh some california car commons and uh, an 01 camaro issue angel welcome to the car doctor how can i help actually
6: it's a manual oh sorry
4: manual i have a two I, I only don't by what, they, I only go I by what a, they write. So, how can I help you, brother?
6: Um, first of off, I have a 2001 Chevy Camaro with the 3.8 V6 in it. Mm-hmm. I know it needs lifter issues. Uh, I should say, I know it has lifter issues and needs either lifter adjustments or lifters itself. Okay. What I'm wondering, because if I'm going down the road and I have my foot on the gas pedal, if I let off that gas pedal, it should still have some momentum to at least coast. And it doesn't even do that. It just almost like it loses momentum within a few seconds, and it just make a dead stop.
4: What makes you think it needs lifters?
6: It's got the tapping.
4: Okay. All right.
6: On the top end.
4: Any any check engine light on?
6: Ah uh, yes, there is.
4: Uh, what fault codes in there?
6: I know that there's one for an O2 sensor. And a couple others, but it's been probably three or four years since I've had the check engine light uh, red.
4: Okay. Okay. So your question to me is?
6: What I'm wondering is that if I fix the lifters and at least possibly pour some really strong uh, fuel injection cleaner down there, do you think it might solve my issue or am I looking at bigger issues You know, down the bottom
4: or? How many miles do you travel a year, Emmanuel? How many miles do you travel in a year?
6: On that one, it probably gets maybe a thousand.
4: Okay, so it doesn't go far.
6: So. Yeah, it doesn't go far right now because I use my Blazer mostly.
4: Okay, but it's probably accumulated five or six thousand miles in the past three, four years since the light's been on? Probably, yeah. All right. So, what you have to think about is. You know, as I started the show today, there's no rule that says only one problem. And the concern becomes the check engine light doesn't glow any brighter, you know, as as problems and fault codes accumulate. So Mm -hmm. before I made any assumptions or any changers or any lifter work or valve adjustment or anything, Mm -hmm. I'd scan codes. I'd scan codes, write them down, record them however you want to do it. And then, you know, I don't even know if it would pay to look at freeze frame data, which is the videotape inside the computer of the situation, how it occurred and when it occurred, because the information is in there so long. You know, it's, it's sort of like, God forbid, you had a heart attack four years ago when you went to the doctor today and say, can you tell me what caused it? I, you know, yeah. the, the residue of it is long gone. So I would clear the codes, drive it, what comes back and start knocking them off in some kind of logical sequence. You know, is there a yeah. misfire fault here? Does you know where's fuel trim? Start looking at some of the critical numbers, just like you were trying to solve that heart attack from a couple of years ago. You know, you've got to look at critical yeah. numbers and see does anything here make sense. Uh, this This could be a, yeah. a this could be a a lifter. Uh, you know, needs an adjustment issue. This could be a lifter that's gone bad. This could be a camshaft problem. You know, how many miles are on this yeah. car? One hundred forty-one thousand going right. on one hundred forty-two. So you know you've got to take everything into consideration, and before you start pouring money into it, you know you're kind of in a bad spot. It's the bottom of the ninth, bases are loaded, two outs, and you're pitching. Now you know how do you throw the next ball, and you know do you try and get it across the plate, and how do you get it across the plate? And that's that's part of the problem you're up against. Letting things go long term like that is 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 a is is a, is a recipe for a bigger disaster. So. Um, you know, let's leave it there. Get the code scanned, get it looked at, and then you can come back and talk to us and uh, we'll go from there. I appreciate the call, Emmanuel. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's back right after this.
3: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80.
1: Rev up your automotive care with Amazon. For DIY projects and regular vehicle maintenance, Amazon Automotive makes finding the right parts for your car easy. You can use your garage to easily view, manage, and use the Automotive Parts Finder to find parts for your saved vehicles. Just add your vehicle's details to your Amazon garage. Then shop with confidence using Amazon's Part Finder to explore compatible parts and accessories and receive customized recommendations. Get started today at Amazon.com.
4: Welcome back. We're on the end of the car doctor. And uh, let's close it out here. So my friend Tony um, can't use his last name for reasons that well, I can't use his last name. He Tony likes it. Tony's a big contributor to the show. And he likes to uh, he likes to send me articles. And um, this one comes to us from Rock Auto. And they're talking about uh, the article talks about a new oil spec for GDI engines this year. ...brought us a new spec for motor oil, Ilsac gf 6 SP. One of the goals of the new oil spec is to reduce incidence of two problems GDI engines have been experiencing. The GDI blast fuel into the combustion chamber at high pressure. This leaves less time for the air and fuel to get together. The resulting air-fuel mixture burns unevenly, which generates a lot of soot. As the pistons move up and down, the soot gets mixed into the motor oil. The soot travels with the motor oil through the engine and causes wear... The most noticeable wear often occurs between pins and bushings that hold timing chains together. That is true. I have seen an awful lot of timing chain failures over the last couple of years, and I would have to blame it directly on GDI engines that are going long in the oil changes. And it goes on to talk about how the computer generates trouble code, goes into limp timing chain issues, and thus the need for GF6-related soot oil oil or better soot control oil was developed the second problem that happens is something called lspi you know auto repair is all about you know abbreviations and and spelling low speed pre-ignition which is related to the uneven burning of fuel in the air in the gdi engines and specifically severe uh, spark knock and things like that the article concludes these new oils higher fuel injection pressures intake manifold ports coupled with gdi solve problems on older engines and prevent them on newer ones. GDI engine over owners may be able to help the most by simply, are you ready for this? You want to know what you can do to help prevent you know problems and the damage to your GDI fuel injected engine? You want to know what the biggest contributor is going to be? Here's the statement. Simply changing their motor oil more frequently and always using the correct oil instead of waiting the longest light-duty oil change interval, often 7,000-plus miles, change the oil closer to the severe-duty interval, often 3,000 miles. You can check to see your specific vehicle engine uses GDI by looking at the info pages and part descriptions for the engine's fuel injectors found under the Fuel Air tab in the rockauto.com catalog. So uh, interesting stuff, right? Change the oil. It's just that simple. I'm Ron in the car doctor, reminding you until the next time, good mechanics aren't expensive, they're priceless. See ya.
1: Rev up your automotive care with Amazon. For DIY projects and regular vehicle maintenance, Amazon Automotive makes finding the right parts for your car easy. You can use your garage to easily view, manage, and use the Automotive Parts Finder to find parts for your saved vehicles. Just add your vehicle's details to your Amazon garage. Then, shop with confidence using Amazon's Part Finder to explore compatible parts and accessories and receive customized recommendations. Get started today at Amazon.com. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's
3: Club. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony Delasandra.
5: Billie's vocals, it was automatic art.
6: You know, I had to, like, choose a more challenging route than just, like, da-da-da-da, you know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been, like, easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like,